Well, we're going to be looking at uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 24 this morning. And um, as you're turning there, I just want to remind you of a little story that uh, happened a couple years ago regarding a comedian, Martin Sheen. You remember him um, being dis- dismissed from a, a sitcom and and uh, boy, he got a lot of a, pre- a lot of press, a lot of attention uh, from his dismissal. And uh, you know, he was strung out on something at the time. But uh, in every interview, remember, he would say, "Winning, I'm winning," and it didn't look like he was winning. <laughs> you know, uh, life, I, the world was against him, and the world was mocking him. But uh, he was convinced that he was winning. Well, we're looking at a passage this morning where the disciples were winning. And uh, before we get into the text, let me read the text for us this morning. I think the the house monitors are a little hot. If you could turn me down just a minute. I like to hear myself speak, Roland, but uh, maybe not that loud. All right, Luke chapter 10, verse beginning with verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And in that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding And reveal them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one who who, no 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 one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, He said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. The disciples have come back, the 72 have come back from their missionary journey. And they are elated. They are on top of the world because uh, they have won. They they have uh, they have seen the enemy. They, they have seen the power of the devil melt like butter. I mean the the uh, serpents and scorpions. The Bible say, says um, were uh, submitted to the the name of Jesus and the disciples spoke in the name of Jesus. Now, scorpions and serpents uh, uh, symbolized uh, the evil, the evil powers, the evilness of that time. And in the name of Jesus, 
uh, these 72 had the power over the devil. Now, this was a unique moment in time. This was a unique situation where um, Jesus gave power to the 72 over the enemy. And Jesus affirmed this uh, as, as the disciples were coming back and listening to their, their testimony. He talked about the fact that he saw Satan falling from heaven. It's, it's a shadow of Isaiah chapter 14. But again, this was a unique period of time. This isn't what always is going to transpire as Christ's disciples. A few weeks ago, I mentioned uh, Luke chapter 22. You might want to just write it down in your outline this morning. Luke chapter 22, verses 35 through 38. And Luke 23, 28 through 31. There's going to be a time where the people of God are going to have to be a whole lot more sober, a whole lot more careful about how they go about proclaiming the gospel. And folks, we're in one of those periods of time, aren't we? I think this week the church is feeling rather beat up. The church is feeling rather um, irrelevant based on the decisions that have been made in our highest Supreme Court. But I'm here to remind you, and God is here to remind you, church, that joy isn't based on our circumstances. We're not always going to have the joy that the disciples had in this passage of Scripture. They thought that they were winning. But Jesus wanted to remind them and remind us that our joy, our confidence isn't in the moment, isn't in our present circumstances. It's the fact that we serve a sovereign God and he is fully in control. And our joy needs to originate from a deeper meaning meaning and understanding of who God is. Jesus was excited about the fact that they were winning. But Jesus says, don't find joy in this. Find joy in some other things. And he's going to share three things in this passage of scripture that describes to us what winning really is. The first thing Jesus says is, know that your name is written in heaven. You want joy this morning? Find joy in the fact that your name is written in heaven. Guys, you have made the list. You have made his list. That's what you need to get excited about. Has there been periods in your life when your name wasn't on the list? I can think of a lot of times when my name wasn't on the list. I remember trying out for baseball when I was in junior high. And you remember tryouts when when you go out for the team, the coach is going to post a list on 
the outside of the locker room. And, you know, we're all anxious to go and see if our name is on the list. Well, I made the first cut, and I made the second cut, but I didn't make the third cut. I was so, I was crushed. And so what did I do? I tried out for the play. And my name didn't make the cut of the play. I tried out as a rock, and I couldn't make a rock. I'm just kidding there. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of lists as Christians that we're not necessarily included on because we're followers of Jesus Christ. But Jesus says this morning, he says to these disciples, there's a greater joy. Oh yeah, you had victory over the enemy. But there's a greater joy you need to define today. And the fact that your name is on the list. Christian, do you find joy in the fact that your name is on the list? God has chosen you. You belong to him. Please don't say, don't sit here this morning and say, well, he chose me because I'm a pretty good person. No. He chose you in spite of your sinfulness. He chose you at your absolute worst to die for you, to love you, to call you his own. Jesus says, find joy in the fact that your name is written in eternity. The second thing that Jesus describes in winning, what winning is, is this. Trusting the Father's sovereign will. Trusting the Father's sovereign will. Jesus says this, verse 21, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. What's Jesus saying there? Jesus is saying that the Father is sovereignly in control. The Father is sovereign over all. We live in a world, church, where many people object to the sovereignty of God, especially in matters of salvation. But if you're going to take Jesus's words seriously in this passage of scripture, you need to see the fact that that he is emphasizing the Father's choice when it comes to our salvation. Look at the text carefully. Verse 21, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. The Father, the Lord of heaven and earth, 
is sovereign over salvation. He chose to reveal to those who he wanted to reveal and to hide from those who he wanted it to be hidden. God is sovereign over the list. And why does sovereignty, why do people find the sovereignty of God so offensive? It's because fallen man, the the rebel heart of fallen man, wants to rule himself. He doesn't want to be told what to do. Man in his heart wants to live by his own rules. He doesn't want anybody to tell him what is wrong. And if it feels right, if it works for them, it must be right. And because it's right in their own eyes, you better legalize it and you better protect it. And that's what we've done this week, haven't we? Our highest court has mocked the sovereignty of God. Man has elevated his own rules over the rules of the Father. The Supreme Court has taken a man-made constitution and he has elevated his laws, what he thinks is right, his morality over what God says is right. They've come to the conclusion, well, what they've basically said is they've they've disregarded what our Constitution is founded on. The Constitution is founded on moral and biblical principles. And as we live by these moral and biblical principles, guess what? We are going to experience a divine blessing. But as soon as we throw out God's morality for a people and elevate man's opinion above God's, folks, we are really in trouble. And that's the beauty of God, though. Even though God is sovereign over all things, God still gives us the freedom to choose. You know, and in this this week and over a period of time, our nation has been making some very grave and foolish choices. But that's the love of God. He doesn't want to force us to choose him. He wants us to be drawn to him. Not out of obligation, out of obligation, but because we want to follow him. We want to submit 
to his authority. And right now, we have shunned God's sovereignty and authority in our lives. We want to rule ourselves. But you know what, church? God is still in control. Even though we have the freedom to choose and we can go according to our foolish choices, there's still a dead end based on those choices. What happened this week doesn't cause the mission of the church to change. The mission of the church remains the same. We are to be the salt, we are to be the light, and we are to be people who love. People who make this choice, they're going to go down a road where they're going to find a dead end. Their lives are going to end up broken. And as a church, we have a responsibility to be there and pick up the pieces. And we have a responsibility to love along the way. We are not to judge the behavior of lost people. We don't condone their lifestyle, but we are to love. And we are to be there when their lives are shipwrecked. And to let them know that there's a better way. Jesus is the way the truth, and the life. This was so illustrated to me um, when my good friend, um, Rich Godfrey, passed away a couple years ago. Rich Godfrey had a brother, has a brother, who is is a homosexual, and he was living in New York City. And uh, their lives were polar opposites. But Rich loved his brother. And there came a point in Bobby's life where he had an emotional breakdown. Life was no longer working for him. He was at the bottom of the bottom. And Rich took his daughter Rachel and they flew to New York and they rescued his brother. Rich brought Bobby back to California, built a built a, a little apartment on the side of their home. Bobby didn't have any job, didn't no income, and he loved his brother and he allowed his brother to stay with his family. At Rich's funeral. Bobby stood up and he testified. And he admitted that what the audience knew, that his life was dramatically different from his brother's life. But he was overwhelmed with the fact that his brother came and rescued him when he needed him most. And that meant the world to him. And Bobby said, and that's what brothers do for each other. I want you to know, friend, 
That's what Christians do as well. We believe the sovereign God of eternity, irregardless of what man may choose, what what path man may go down, there is a dead end to that lifestyle. There is a curse. And the consequences of grave are grave. It may happen tomorrow. It may happen years from now. There are consequences for forsaking God. And as the people of God, we must continue to love, to raise up the banner of truth, not live our lives morally superior to lost people. No. With humility. As an example of what it means to trust a sovereign God. The Supreme Court this last week has not had the final word. God will have the final word. Choose this day, the Bible says, whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but your name, but the word of God will prevail. Father, folks, we are beholders of the truth. We don't have to run with our tail between our legs. Now, that doesn't mean that we stand as arrogant and full of ourselves and proud of who we are. No, let this passage of scripture humble you. Because who knows the truth? What does the Bible say? say? Verse, verse 21. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and have revealed them to little children. Who knows the Father? Who knows Jesus? You would have thought that the elite, the educated, the super religious people would have figured out who Jesus was, would have known the truth, and would have followed them, followed him. But they weren't the ones. It was the little children. It was... It was the uneducated, the no-names. Here are 72 followers, and we know nothing about their life. But these are the ones that God used. So, folks, church, we're not to go about living our lives as if we know all the answers and that we're better than everybody else. No. We are people who are submitted 
to a sovereign God and grateful for the fact that he put our name on his list. Not because of anything we did, but because of his grace. That's winning. Submitting ourselves to the sovereign will of the Father. And the last piece that Jesus tells us about what winning is, what real joy is, number three, is knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus. The Bible says you want to know God? You want to know what, what the Father looks like, what God looks like? Jesus says, believe my words. Have that simple, childlike faith, and you will know the Father. Folks, we can know God. And we know him through his son. That simple, childlike faith. We cannot afford to ignore Jesus. People try to explain him away with empty-headed, man-made philosophy. No, just take the words of the book and believe them as a child would believe them. Jesus says this. All things have been handed over to me, verse 22, by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. By knowing Jesus, by getting to know his life, Jesus says, you'll know who God is. You want to know who I am? Get to know my son, Trevor. You get to know Trevor, you'll get to know me. You get to know me, you get to know my son, Trevor. Now that illustration falls infinitely short of Jesus' words. But there's a truth there. Jesus says, you want to know my father, get to know me. This is where joy is comes from knowing Jesus the disciples were caught up in their circumstances they had come from a successful missionary journey but Jesus says you know what life is not always going to be this way there's going to be a period of time where you're going to be, have to be a whole lot more sober of what is transpiring around you. You have to be careful. Joy isn't found in your circumstances. Joy is found in knowing that your name is on God's list. 
that you believe the sovereign will of your father. That you know me. That's where joy is. So church, if you came to service this morning, kind of beat up about what transpired this week, don't be. The mission hasn't changed. We are still to be the salt and life of the earth. God is still on his throne and that will never ever change. And that's where our joy comes from. And as we leave this morning, we leave not with proud and arrogant hearts. We leave in absolute humility because there's nothing that we did to deserve his love, his acceptance, our name being on his list. Jesus says, it's all because of the grace of God. He wanted you. He wanted me. And if we'll just look to the sun, he will open our eyes. If we believe the words of the sun, he will reveal the Father to us. That is great news. And that is worth celebrating. And we have come to the service this morning to remind ourselves of who we belong to. Our name, church, is engraved on his hand. We are his for all eternity. Find joy. Find comfort. Find humility. Be thankful. Let's pray. Lord, we are here today only because of you. Father, thank you for your abundant grace. We don't deserve it. It's only in Jesus that we win, that we can find our joy, live lives of gratitude and humility, thankfulness of who you are. Father, we worship you and we celebrate Jesus this morning. Church, let's all stand. We sang this song just a moment ago before the throne.